to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Missions May, I thought, what better way to start off Missions May than talking about our mission here at Heartsease? We want to talk about the heartbeat of our church, which I believe is also the heartbeat of God. And we're going to look today at what we are after. And here it is, it's the one. Say with me, the one. We want to make a positive change in a negative world. We want to make a positive change change in a negative world. So we're going to go after the one. It's not about the crowds, but it's about the one in need. I want to do something today as I begin this message. David, could you come up here with me quickly? I want to introduce to every one of you, and and probably he's no stranger to most of you. Come on up here with me, David, because he shakes your hand. He welcomes you every time that you come into this church. How many are thankful for David? Come on, this is David. He's my hero. He's a great guy. But let me tell you something about David. Anytime we have a men's group or a meeting and we say, give a fun fact about yourself. Some people say, I ran a half marathon. Some people say, I did this. Some people said, I did that. You know what David says? You know what? I'm David and I'm faithful. And I love that because that's the greatest fact that anyone could ever have in his life. But the reason I call David up here today is because of this. David is someone that could very easily be missed. Let me explain this to you, please. And that is this. In a lot of conferences you go to and a lot of materials that are out there when they talk about transitioning your church or building your church or having an image and all these kind of things, you know what they tell you over and over again? And that is this. The people you put on the door are your GQ people. Your Vanity Fair people. Why? Because you want the best looking girls. You want the nicest dressed young guys on the door. Because that's how you build a church. I want to tell you something here at this church. I want to tell you something and that is this. You are looking today at the heartbeat of our church. You know, people turn around and say, well, first impressions count. They sure do. And this is the greatest first impression that anyone could ever see of our church. You know why? Because we're not interested in what's maybe popular and what everyone else is doing. We're after what touches the heart of God. And a man like David, with his faithfulness and his willingness to serve, this is the DNA. This is the culture. This is the heartbeat of our church. And I believe it's the heartbeat of God. Would you give David a round of applause today? You see? And that's what I want. But you see, unfortunately, that mentality of you have to be a certain way, you have to look a certain way, you have to dress a certain way, 
can be something that spills into every area of our Christian lives or what we label as a Christian life. And I want to tell you today, I don't believe that's been Christian. I don't believe that's been truly Christ-like. And from the life of Jesus, we see such a powerful example of what happens when it comes to the one. If you have your Bibles with you today, turn with me to Matthew 4, verse 1 and 2. Matthew 4, verse 1 and 2. And it says this, And again, Jesus began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude, come on, say with me, multitude. A great multitude was gathered to him, so he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude, say with me multitude, was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them many teachings. We're not going to go into it, but if you would read, Jesus begins to talk about the parable of the sower, the one who went out to sow. He talks about being a light and not allowing it to be covered and allowing it to be hidden. He talks about seed and the growth and how the enemy wants to come in and sow weeds. And he talks about that. He talks about a mustard seed and the greatness of faith that we can have in our life, no matter how small, when it's placed in the right places, it can grow and it can be something that God can use. Jesus taught them phenomenal teachings. I mean, they were having church. They were having church on their shores. There was a big group. There was a multitude. There was a following. He had a mega church. Great things were happening. And can you imagine what the disciples and the ones around must have been thinking? They were looking at all this and saying, wow, this is it. Wow, we have arrived. All we can go from here is up. It's just going to get bigger and it's just going to get better. The crowds are going to come. There's going to be miraculous miracles. Wow, this is heaven on earth. Can you picture that, what was going through their minds? They were excited about the future. And Jesus could have continued to have built something really powerful right there. But if we would jump down to verse 35 of Matthew chapter 4, we'll see the heart of God. Matthew 4 verse 35 says this, And on the same day, in the middle of revival, in the middle of crowds pressing him so much he had to get into a boat to speak to them all. I mean, this was what every pastor would probably dream of happening. But when evening had come on the same day, one translation says later that day, what did Jesus do? He said to his disciples, he said to those around him, let us cross over to the other side. Wow. Jesus left the crowd. He left the crowd. Verse 36 in the New Living Translation reads on and says, So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind them. Leaving the crowds behind him and it goes on to say however other boats followed with him why would he do that why would he leave the crowd and why would he leave the masses I want to tell you why today he left the crowd and why today he left the masses because he was looking for the one he was looking for the one 
And let's read on in chapter 5 of Matthew, and we're going to read the first 13 verses of Matthew, or Mark, sorry, chapter 5. And I'm going to come back and show you eight observations that I see in these passages that we have just read. So Mark 5, 1 through 13 says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gennesaret. And there came out to him of the boat, and immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who in his dwelling amongst the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Jesus speaking, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked the man, what is your name? And the man answered Jesus saying, my name is Legion for we are many. It's the demon speaking, manifesting in him. Verse 10, and he also begged Jesus that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So the demons begged him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once, come on, say with me, and at once, and at once, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out of the man and entered into the pigs. There were about 2,000 of them. And the pigs ran violently down the steep place into the sea and they drowned into the ocean. What a story. What a story. And I know we're stopping in the middle, really, of the story for the sake of time. But I'll tell you, don't stop. I'm not asking you to keep reading now because you need to be paying attention. You need to be taking notes. But when you get home, keep reading. Read the whole story for yourself. But Jesus left the crowds. He left the multitude to go after the one. And this just wasn't anyone. This was a tough, rough dude. Come on, this was a rough guy. This was the one that they didn't want anything to do with. But Jesus left the crowd to go after the one. The heartbeat of Christ and the heartbeat of this church. The one. Say with me, the one. So I want to give you eight observations. Are you ready? Number one. Observation number one. The crowd wasn't it. It wasn't in the crowd. And don't get me wrong, Jesus still had a heart for those people. He taught them, he ministered to them, but that wasn't a stopping place. He wasn't ready to set up church and say, this is it. Why? Because as long as there was still one in need, he had to go searching. I wonder how comfortable it can often get in the crowd. Come on, we can get comfortable in a crowd, can't we? Especially when we're in a crowd of like-minded people and people who talk the same, people who dress the same, people who look the same with similar opinions. Come on, we can get so comfortable in a crowd. And Jesus in the natural eye, in the way of thinking, humanly speaking, he was walking out on a move of God. Because great things were happening. He's walking out, but he left the crowd to pursue the one. I want to tell you something today, and that is this. That's not always going to get the popular vote. 
It's not going to get the popular vote. Why? Because, hey, listen, hold on a second. If you want the crowds, if you want them. But what about the one? What about the one? You see, when you go after the one, you've got to realize you've got to be okay with some haters. You've got to be okay with some people who want to criticize you. Come on, help me out in the house today. You've got to be okay because some people are going to say, are you crazy? Do you know who they are? Do you know what they have done? But here's the thought. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter about the haters. It doesn't matter what they're criticizing us. We've just got to let it not change our standard. And you know what our standard is? The Word of God. The Word of God. And if He left the crowd for the one, what makes us think that we are higher or greater or better than Him? You see, the crowd doesn't have all the answers. The crowd is not where all the answers, the crowd is not the only way, especially when there's still a crazy man or a crazy woman who has been lost, who cannot be tamed. The one who's forgotten by everyone around, they've pushed him out. The one who has never been given the opportunity. I wonder today where you would be if someone had not given you an opportunity. I wonder where you would be today if someone had not inconvenienced their life. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to realize this. I don't care who you think you are. Someone inconvenienced their life to come and talk to you. Come on, they took time out of things that they could have been doing. They inconvenienced. They drove a little bit further to pick you up to church. They did all that for what reason? Because they saw something in you. They wanted to touch you. They wanted to reach out. I wonder where you would be if someone hadn't have prayed an extra prayer for you. I wonder where you'd be today if someone hadn't put an extra dollar in the offering that you were able to be touched through Southeast Ministries. I wonder where you'd be today if someone didn't say there's something of worth in that person and I'm going to see them break free and come out. You see, it doesn't happen in the crowds. I'm ready to preach in this house today. I'm ready to shout in the house. But you see, here's what they tell us. Oh, but Pastor Philip, there's safety in numbers. There sure is safety in numbers. But you know what else there is in numbers? Complacency. Complacency. Because you know what? When we're in a crowd, I don't have to sing because Miss Emma can sing for me. You see what I'm saying? When I'm in a crowd, I don't have to do because someone else in the crowd is probably going to do it for me. But when I step out, I'm going to have to sing. Come on, help me out. When I step out, I'm going to have to do what I need to do. Listen, we've got to get out of the crowd mentality and get into the one mentality. Get out of the safety, which can be the complacency. I wonder who is the one that you've touched lately. Come on, I wonder who is the one that you've touched lately. So they followed Jesus' lead. They got in a boat. And guess what happens? They face a storm. Here's my observation number two. Are you ready? Storms will happen. Come on, say with me, storms will happen. And you know why storms happen? To stop you from your mission. What is your mission? To touch that one. Have you ever experienced a storm that you knew all it was trying to do was stopping you from getting where you knew you needed to be? Do I have a witness in the house today? And if you would say, well, no, that Pastor Philip, that's never happened. I'm going to tell you, keep sailing. It's going to happen. Keep on rowing. Keep on living. It's going to happen. Storms are going to come in our lives. But here's the thought. Where is your focus in the storm? 
What are you looking at in the storm? It's easy to lose focus in a storm. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to doubt. It's easy to have fear. I don't know if I have a witness, but you may not struggle with that. But I struggle with things like that. When the storms come, the enemy plagues my mind and torments me with doubt and fear. There's actually another storm that they were in. You can read it in Mark chapter 6, the next chapter. The Bible says that Jesus sent them off and they were alone this time, or at least they thought they were alone. But Jesus walks out to them on the water. In fact, you would also see in Mark, it talks about the fact that Jesus would have walked past them. You can look at that and say, well, that's kind of crazy. Why is that? you got to watch in the middle of the storm that you're not looking at everything else, that you're missing the Savior who wants to be there to help you, to strengthen you through. In Mark, it doesn't record Jesus speaking to Peter, but in Matthew, it does. And Peter says these words to Jesus in the middle of a storm as he's walking out and would have walked by them. He says to him in Matthew 14, verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Now, this is not my message today, but it's a part of it. Jesus says to him one word, come. And what do we know? Peter stepped out of the boat, but you know what he did? He lost his focus. I want you to see something today. I don't care how big and how bad you think you are when it comes spiritually speaking. Jesus was right there with him and Peter lost his focus. You got to realize he was real close to Jesus. I mean, he could almost touch Jesus. The Bible says Jesus stretched out and lifted him up. It doesn't say Jesus ran towards him. Jesus, so you got to watch when the middle of a storm, doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how big your Bible is, how much tithes you pay, you got to watch you keep your focus in a storm. And here's what you got to be reminded when the storms come. Are you ready? He's with you in the storm. Come on, he's right there with you. Here's something else you need to know. Storms are not always the result of your sin. They're not always the result of your wrongdoing. They can be, but they're not exclusive to that. Jerry Hunt, during our church anniversary last year, and if you've never heard Jerry Hunt preach, you have never heard such a great preacher in your life. He is absolutely phenomenal. When I grow up, I want to be like Jerry. And there you go. But he preached a message last year and it went like this, questions in a crisis. And he talked about four reasons why we can find ourselves in a storm. Here they are. Number one, because of obedience. I can find myself in a storm because Jesus said, go to the other side. I'm being obedient and I can still find myself in a storm. Anyone hear me right there? Here's another reason, because of my disobedience. Because of your disobedience, we can find ourselves in a storm. Look at this one. We can be in a storm because of the disobedience of other people. That we can result a storm. But we can also be in a storm because Satan is trying to have you. He's trying to take you down. I want to tell you today, in my life, some of the darkest storms have been the pathways to my greatest breakthroughs. I realize in the middle of those times, it was Satan trying to discourage me, stop me from what God had for me. The disciples in a boat, they were on the way to the other side. The storm was trying to stop them. Don't be stopped from touching the one. You'll face storms that want to disrupt your mission and stop you from reaching that one. Observation number three. Pretty powerful one right here. And it's this. He's asleep. I said, he's asleep. 
Houston, we have a problem. Come on. Houston, we have a problem. Mark 4, verse 38. But it was in, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Jesus is tucked up for the night. Come on, I said he's tucked up for the night. He's checked in for the night. He's sleeping on a pillow. He's probably even drooling by this time. Come on. He's counting sheep. And it's amazing. He's the one that's sleeping and he's the carpenter and most of them were fishermen. But I want to tell you today, it had nothing to do with vocation. Had nothing to do with vocation. Verse 38 says this. Then they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I wonder how many times, if we haven't vocalized that, I wonder how many times that we have thought that in our lives. Jesus, don't you care? I mean, come on, I'm trying to do something for you. I'm trying to be that witness. I'm trying to step out. And this storm has come. I mean, Jesus, don't you care? Of course he cared. You know one of the reasons he cared? If the boat went down, he was going down with it. Come on, he was in the boat with them. Come on, if there was a problem, he was going to face it true. And you've got to realize this, Jesus cares, but why then would he be asleep? I want to tell you why. Because Jesus was showing them, just like he's showing us, what we need to do in the middle of a storm. You know what we need to do in the middle of a storm? Rest. Rest. We need to trust Jesus. Come on, I said we need to trust him. What did it say in verse 35? What did Jesus say to them in verse 35? He said to them on the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, what words? Let us cross over to the other side. Come on, say with me over. Come on, we're going over. In other words, Jesus said we're going to make it. And you know why we're going to make it? Because he said so. You know why Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the boat? You know the reason why he's doing this? Because he remembered what he said. He said, we're going to go to the other side. He didn't tell them that there was going to be some storms and some rough times. But you know what Jesus said? We're going to make it to the, I'm telling you right now, you're going to make it to the other side. If you keep trusting, if you keep resting in Jesus. But Jesus was showing us the model of what needs to happen. We need to rest. We need to rest. Look at this statement. You're going to make it to the other side either way. Which will it be? Come on, which will it be? You're either going to get there rested up or you're going to get there frazzled and fried. Come on, you're either going to get there rested because you've been in the stern with Jesus having a nap on the pillow or you're going to get there frazzled and fried to the max. And notice this. Why are you going to the other side? Why are you called to do what God has called you to do? Why are you on the way to where you're going? Because of the one. Because you're on a mission for God. And notice this, when you get to the other side and you're frazzled and fried, you will never be able to meet another need. Why? Because you have now become the need. Think about it. I've got to go to the doctor now. I've got to take medication. I've got to do this. Notice now you would miss the one on the other side because you haven't rested through the journey. Come on, you've got to be very careful because, listen, you were the need, but you're saved. Jesus is going to leave you and go after the one. Come on, he left the 99 who were saved to go after the one. You're not the need. It's about touching other people. Jesus has already promised to meet your need. Come on, your every need. He's already provided for you. But when we're frazzled and fried, we can't be what God wants us to be. Come on, is this okay today? Observation number four. Only one boat arrived. 
We just read that many boats left with Jesus. But from what I read, only one arrived. Verse 36 says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Many sailed off with him, but I believe only one arrived. Mark 5 verse 1 says, And then they came to the other side of the sea. Now in verse 36 we read that Jesus took them with him and then others followed. It says that they arrived, but I don't read that others arrived with them. Now you may say, well you're kind of reading more into this than what perhaps there is. Well maybe, but I believe there's a point that we need to see and that is this. Many will hear the call, but few are willing to pay the price. I said many are going to set off on the journey of life. But there's only going to be a few that's going to make it to the other side. What was that song we used to sing? Although none go with me. What is it? Still I'm going to follow. No turning back. No turning back. Come on. Many start strong. But it's how you finish that matters. Come on, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You see, many are going to turn back in a storm. Many are going to turn around and say, oh, this is too much of a price. I don't want to pay this no more. My life was easier before. I'm just going to go the pathway of least resistance. Come on. And what happens? They forget the mission. They forget the one. Come on, in the process of going after the one, only one boat arrived to the other side. You know, one thing I've learned about storms is this. Storms separate the men from the boys. Come on, not all are going to cut it through the storms. The storm is where the rubber hits the road, where reality takes in. But I want to tell you today, we've got to persevere to make it through. We cannot quit. In fact, quitting is not even an option. Because if it is an option, we're going to miss the one. We're going to miss the one. Observation number five. He met the one that others forgot. I want to say it also this way. Jesus met the one that we forget. That we so easily forget. I'm not going to go into great detail, but the description of this man is this. The man's crazy. Come on, I said he's crazy. Come on, all they tried to do was chain him up and he was so crazy that chains couldn't even hold him. They tried to silence him and all he would do was scream louder and run through the caves, run through the graves, run through the mountains. He was crazy. They tried to contain him, but nothing they could do would work. So when they lost all hope, here's what I believe they did. They put him in a place out of sight, out of mind. They put him as far away as they possibly could and said, if you want to be crazy, go and be crazy over there because you're not going to bother our lives anymore. But can you picture the moment that Jesus with the boat and Jesus steps on the shore and as soon as he steps on the shore from a distance afar off, the Bible says, the man saw him. And what did the man do? The man booked it to Jesus. I mean, he's booking it. He's running full speed. Can you see this man, hair every which way, body bloody because the Bible says he'd cut himself with rocks. He was a mess. I mean, he was a crazy dude and he's running full speed at Jesus. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But one thing I know about Peter, he usually always tries to step in and do something. I'm sure Peter tried to cause a commotion or tried to stop him. I'm sure they were all terrified to see this animal literally running to Jesus. But he falls at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that he began to 
worship him. He began to worship him. It's a whole other message there that I'm not going to talk about today. But I wonder what was going through the minds of the disciples. We left the crowds for this. We had revival. Everyone wanted to be in our company. I mean, everyone thought we were the coolest and the best people. And we left all of that for this. The one that we can so easily forget. The one we can so easily forget. Observation number six. Jesus didn't judge him for who he was. Jesus didn't judge him for who he was. And I want to say this. If anyone had the right to do it, Jesus had the right to do it. Jesus had the right to judge him. Oh, we like to judge people, but we don't have the right because the Bible says in the same way we judge people, we better be careful because that same measure will be used back to our lives. The same way we criticize and put down people and say, wow, if they were really saved or they just need to get themselves together, they need to do this. Yeah, they do. But you know, the one that's going to put them together is Jesus. Come on, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. But if he had gone to Jesus, Humpty Dumpty went to all the king's horses and all the king's men and they couldn't do nothing with Humpty but if Humpty Dumpty had gone to Jesus Jesus could have fixed him up and he would have been an A1 egg all over again you see here's where you got to realize Jesus didn't judge him for who he was and I'm so glad about that today because he judged me the same way come on he gave me the same opportunity he didn't condemn me but he loved me why did Jesus not judge him for who he was because he saw who he could be through the blood He saw who he could be through the sacrifice of Jesus, his life. He looked beyond the fault and he saw the need. How quickly can we easily judge someone? How quickly can we discredit them? How quickly can we write them off when they are the one that God has called us to? Come on, it's up to us to catch them. And let God do the cleaning. Come on now. Come on, it's up to us to throw out the hook and catch the fish. But God's the one that said, I'll clean them up. I'll fix them. I'll do a work inside of them. You can put a dress on a pig. You can put lipstick on it. But if there's no change inside at that first mud puddle, it's going to roll again. Come on, it's our responsibility to go after them. But then God himself, he's the one that will fix them. He's the one that will pick them up. He's the one that will clean them. How will they know? Unless you, 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 and I tell them. How will they know? There's a responsibility for us. It's not in the crowd. There's a responsibility upon us. And the best way to tell them and the best way to reach them is by your example by your testimony and the life that you live. We want to open up our Bibles and give them chapter and verse and there's certainly nothing wrong with the bread of life. But let me tell you something, if they hear it from your mouth and they don't see it in your life, you've been a hypocrite and you're not given the true gospel. The best way we can touch people is just to love them, just to embrace them. We've had a guy who's been coming to our church and you could label him as a crazy man who was living in the tombs. I'm not trying to be unkind, but he was a crazy guy and we've just been 
been praying for him and we've just been loving him. And every time he comes, we just love him a little bit more. And we just love him a little bit more. And we've been helping him. We said, hey, we've got some work. Do you need some money? He's been working. He's been coming here and helping. He showed up on Wednesday morning and he knocked on the door. He had helped us Tuesday and I forgot to pay. Or he left before I was able to pay him. And I called him up and said, come back. I've got some money for you. He came back the next day and I was preparing my message for Wednesday night. And Nancy knocks on the door and she says, Pastor, I know you don't like to be invited when you are interrupted, when you are in your message. She said, but I got something really important. She says, he's here and he wants to give his life to Jesus. Come on, he wants to give his life to Jesus. You see, if we're looking at the crowds, we can miss the one. If we're looking at the crowds, you would be missed in the crowd. But someone stepped out and came after you. Listen to this. You can read someone else's story, but you have no business to write it. Come on, you can read someone's story, but don't write their story. God's the one that wants to write their story. God's the one that wants to change their life. Come on, say, help us, Pastor. You're you're running late. You're running late. Almost done. Observation number seven. Here's observation number seven. An encounter with Jesus changed him forever. When Jesus asked him his name, he had been so consumed and taken over by the powers of darkness that the demons spoke out through him. And here's what they said in Mark 5 verse 9. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the demons answered and said, our name is Legion, for we are many. A full strength Roman legion numbered about 6,000 men. But the name really is signifying a well-organized group that possesses great power. This was an organized group of many demons that had much power. But it didn't matter how many of them there were. It didn't matter how strong they were. Because the Bible tells me in Romans 14 and verse 11 that every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess that he is Lord. That means he's greater than any legion. He's greater than any devil. He's greater than any storm. He's greater than any obstacle. And an encounter with God will top anything else. In verse 12, the demons begged him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. They ran into those. But look at verse 15. And when they came and saw the people of the area had heard that there was a commotion. And when they came and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had had the legion, they saw him now sitting and clothed in his right mind. That means he was safe. That means he was sane. He had self-control. He was disciplined. And what happens? They were afraid. I bet they were afraid. Come on, I bet they were afraid because you know what they realized? What they could not do in a lifetime, Jesus did in a moment. Come on, what Jesus, that they couldn't do in a lifetime, Jesus did in the moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't ever say no. Come on, turn to your neighbor and don't say ever no. Don't say there's no way that God can do that. There's no way God could save them. There's no way that God could set them free. What no man could do in a lifetime, Jesus can do do in a split second in a moment. Listen, we're called to be his hands and feet. We're called to be his witness. Jesus still today can have encounters with people if we'll take the gospel to them. If we'll present Jesus to them. If we'll leave the crowd the comfortable place. And step out after the one, out of the comfort zone, in a place that may feel a little bit awkward, an awkward place. 
And I know I've gone long today, but just give me a couple minutes more. The Bible says in verse 18 that then he wanted to go with Jesus. As a result of what had happened, he said, I want to come with you. But Jesus said to him, no, you're not coming with me. I've got a mission for you. Jesus said, here's what I now want you to go. I want you to go home and tell other people that it happened. Let them see the change and development that's taken place in your life. And verse 20 says, and he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. That's 10 cities. All that Jesus had done for him. And notice the response. People absolutely marveled. Lives were changed. You see, an encounter with the one, Jesus. Come on, listen to me. An encounter with the one, Jesus, will now make you go after the one. You see, now Jesus touches a one, but now that one's touching a one. Can you see? That's the mission. That's the heartbeat of God. That's how multiplication grows and things change. So I've got to close. Observation number eight. In the crowd, Jesus would have missed the one. And he would have missed the one that ended up being such a testimony and a witness to Christ. They can doubt your word. They can deny or they can doubt the word and the word of God. But I'm telling you right now, they can never deny your experience. And that's why your testimony is so powerful. Jesus touched the one that's life forever touched so many people around. I want to tell you, I believe hundreds of people are in heaven and we're going to meet them one day because Jesus went after that particular one who then touched one, 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 who touched so many. Do you want to know what our heart is? You want to know what mission may? You want to know what the mission of heart sees is all about? Here's the heartbeat of our church. It's to follow the heart of God and that is to save the one. To save the one. And here's the challenge. Who's your one? I wonder who your one is. I wonder who that one is. I wonder who's that one is a little bit awkward that everyone at work laughs at. I wonder who it is in your neighborhood that everyone runs away from. I wonder who it is. And I'm telling you, when you go after them, there's going to be some storms. But you never know for what reason? To stop you on your mission. You see, if every one of us in here touched one, we wouldn't have enough seats next week. I mean, we would double in size that quick by just touching one. That's the heart of God. That's what I'm going to say and I'm going to shut up. Be the one that touches the one. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.